Hello, and welcome to another episode of Quilt Buzz, the podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Amber of Alderwood Studio. Hi. Now, before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Amber? Yeah, um, I live in the Pacific Northwest. I have two kids, a preschooler and a baby. And I was a software engineer for 10 years, but I always wanted to work in a creative industry. Uh, my grandmas both taught me to sew, um, both of them, which was kind of fun. And I did a lot of like apparel sewing and costuming when I was a kid. Um, but I was always like, I was one of those kids that was always like starting a business, you know, selling random crap um, or <laughs> selling something I made or whatever. So like, I know, I know this is an unpopular opinion already with the unpopular opinions one minute in, but I was like always trying to find ways as a kid to monetize like art and creativity and stuff like that. So I don't think anyone in my life is surprised that I wound up with a creative business that I, that I work at full time now. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've been working, um, full time at Alderwood studio for a little bit now and, and I love it. What was your weirdest childhood business idea? Oh, <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay. There are so many, but I'll tell you when I've never told anyone else in, in this community and maybe it might be the weirdest, but it was the most profitable, profitable. I actually made a lot of money. Um, I would take dolls and strip their faces off. Super creepy. I know. Yeah. With acetone. And then I would repaint new faces and I would turn them into like characters from like movies or TV shows or things like that, because I learned that this was like a thing. People, in whatever time period this was, I can't even remember, but people got really into collecting these like one of a kind dolls that represented like, you know, Lord of the Rings or Pirates of the, or whatever thing was cool at that time. And since I had a costuming, like I had all of this love for costuming, it's like, I can make a tiny costume. And so I would like make these tiny little costumes and like, you know, change the hair. And like, you know, did you know that if you have a Barbie with weird hair, you can boil the hair and fix it. I know a lot of weird stuff like that now. But that, that is a is super so fun fascinating. fact. And <laughs> didn't plan on sharing that with you today, but you're welcome. This holiday season, watch out, Barbies. Yeah. I'm coming watch for out. you. Watch out. Yeah. yeah but, My but sister's going to be like, but that's mine. Yeah. No. Sorry, kids. Taking the face off that one. <laughs> okay. So going back to the quilting fun, could you tell us the story behind your Instagram handle? Yeah. So, um, actually <laughs> when I decided to create like a quilty Instagram, that was one of the hardest things was coming up with the handle. Uh, I think most people have that struggle to some degree, partially because, um, I actually, my goal was not to be a quilt pattern designer, but to be a surface pattern designer. I have an art background. And so that was kind of my, my plan. That's what I wanted to do as like a side business. And that is still my plan. It's just gotten a little derailed by the other business that wound up happening on accident. Um, but so when I was coming up with my Instagram handle, I really wanted it to be something that was kind of, um, not quilt specific or not even sewing specific, but something that could kind of be broadly applied to multiple creative endeavors. Basically my son's name is Alder. 
because I don't know, I'm a weird hippie, I guess. Um, we just, that's just what happened. His name is Alder. And um, so that kind of just came from that. So you mentioned, you touched upon the um, the fact that your original plan of surface design has been postponed for the time being because you've got a lot of other activities <laughs> yeah. um, going on. Can you kind of walk us through how you ended up running a quilting subscription box service, launching a course on how to write quilt patterns, now having a self-published quilting book, um, as well as writing and designing your own quilt patterns? Like how, how did this all come, come yeah. to be? <laughs> that's a great, that's a big question. So, um, like I said, you know, I started, I started the Instagram account both because I wanted to connect with other people in the quilting world. And because I wanted to start trying to, I figured, you know, if I start like sharing my own quilting work and like getting connected with people, then maybe that will make it, that will help me when I'm ready to start like submitting my portfolio. If I have a presence in this world, um, but then I made this one quilt with a rifle paper company charm pack, I think is what started it all. I made just something really simple and quick and easy. It was like half square triangles. And someone asked me like, oh, is that a pattern? Can you make a pattern for that? And I was like, no. Um, but then I thought about it <laughs> and I've, I've really, honestly, I've only made a quilt with a pattern that wasn't one of my own patterns, maybe three times, three times, maybe four times, something like that. I haven't made very many of them because I always designed my own for years. Long before I ever started writing the patterns, I'd always designed my own quilts. So after thinking about it, I was like, well, maybe I could do that. Um, you know, I've done enough technical writing and documentation work in my day job. And I thought, sure, I'll try. So I did it. And it was way harder than I expected. <laughs> um, but I was hooked. I really loved it. I started writing more patterns um, and I really enjoyed doing it, but I also knew that like, it was not sustainable to do with a baby and a day job. I was basically like, you know, that's all I did at, in the evenings. And so after doing that for a little bit, I kind of sat down and talked with my husband and I was like, so I, I might like, I'd like to find a pathway to turn this into something real, like a, a real business. I'd never had loved my day job and it had only gotten kind of worse as time had gone on. And so I really wanted to find a way to not be tied to the tech sector anymore. Um, and I really loved doing this. But so I started trying to think about other ways I could kind of grow and expand and what I could do. And I basically we set a time limit. I was like, I'm going to do this for two years. I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to work all night, work all weekend. This is all I'm going to do. I'm going to have two full-time jobs. And if at the end of two years, if I haven't burnt out and it's not working, then I'll move on. I'll find a different way to rebalance. Right. Um, but it did work. So that's great. Um, and all of these things you mentioned kind of just came together in a natural organic kind of way. You know, as far as the pattern writing course, I, I had been getting, I've tried to be really open with my, with what I know, because actually, I mean, I can blame this on you two. A lot of, a lot of it anyways, when I first, when I first got started, <laughs> no, no, it's You're a good welcome. thing. When I first, yes. When I first got started, I was amazed to find so many people that I considered to be like, Oh, you know, Amanda, Wendy, like really awesome people were so kind and welcoming and just talked to me, you know, and like, answered my questions and I couldn't believe it. And it was amazing. And I found like a really welcoming community. And so I wanted to make sure that I maintained and, and continued that. 
Um, so whenever people would reach out with questions about anything, I'd always happily answer them. And I wrote a million very long, detailed emails and, you know, phone call, like all of these things. I talked to so many people um, and answered all of their like pattern writing questions that that I could, you know, I was learning too. Um, but after a while I was like, okay, this is getting, this is getting kind of, this is a lot. Like I should actually just try to capture all of this. I, I knew that I had had a bit of a leg up when it came to pattern writing because of the technical background that I had and the experience with a lot of different kinds of software. And I already had a lot of vector graphics experience and, you know, I have a math background and all of that kind of stuff. So I thought maybe I can put this together in a concise way that would help people. So I did. And that's how the Pattern Writing Academy came along. And you know what's interesting about that is I think a lot of people assume that everyone takes it wants to like be a pattern designer and start a business. And no, that's that's not the case. Um, a lot of people take it just because they want to learn more about the process or want to be able to design their own quilts and like do the math, but not necessarily like write a pattern to release it. That's really so interesting. I've, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed yeah. that aspect of it because, you know, not everyone, I don't think everyone should feel like they need to monetize their hobby or turn it into a business or whatever. That's a very personal decision. Um, mm. And so I'm always happy to see how many people are just interested in learning about the behind the scenes or learning about how to do something without trying to turn it into a business also. You know, it's kind of nice that there's both aspects of that. That's really interesting to hear because I think, uh, you know, I've, I've like heard and people saying like, you know, there's all so many, all these new pattern designers are coming left and right and center. And it's all because of these like, you know, pattern designing writing courses, but it's, it's really interesting to hear that, you know, not everyone that does these courses are out to, like you said, to monetize it. They're just really, really there to build their own skills and yeah. create their own thing. Yeah. And a lot of times people will release a pattern, but they're not you know, I think a lot of the newer designers, um, some of them are working on building a business, but some of them are just like, I had this cool idea that I want to share with the world. They're not like trying to, mm -hmm. you know, make a, a big thing about it. They're just really interested in sharing what they've come up with. And so I really like that aspect of it because mm -hmm. I mean, I can tell you the first time I ran this class, I was just like blown away the entire time with what people were sharing in the Facebook group, like their designs. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is so good. Like, yeah. you know, so that was really rewarding was seeing all of these people actually having the confidence to put their designs out there and make some really cool stuff. So I found that to be really positive. So in addition to your, um, your pattern writing course, you also run the subscription box called modern makes. Um, yes. And it sounds like this was one of the things that just, you know, kind of naturally evolved as, as you started. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell us, for our listeners who aren't familiar with it, can you kind of talk to us more about what's included in the subscription and, you know, what they could expect if they wanted to join? So the Modern Makes membership is um, kind of a choose-your-own-adventure style membership. Um, there's a member platform where you get access to all of these tutorials and a community, and you get a modern mini pattern every month. Um, and then some people also subscribe to the subscription box where you get all of that. And then you also get a subscription box every month delivered. And the subscription box basically has everything you need for that project that month, um, for the top, the batting, the backing, the pattern, all of that stuff. Um, the subscription box was actually the, the kind of first part that popped into my mind before I realized after thinking it through that, you know, there was, there was more to it and a digital membership could be really beneficial to people internationally or people who wanted to work through their stash, things like that. So the initial idea for the subscription box um, came through 
that process of kind of thinking through what I could provide to the community that would be valuable to them and could help kind of grow my business into different facets. And I was thinking about some of the things that I had really struggled with in different periods of my life where I didn't have the time, energy, whatever, to be creative. Because I think that's something for all of us. We go through these phases, right, where we're, we have all this creative energy and then sometimes we're kind of in a slump. And even if we want to make something, we're just tired or have too much going on in our lives, right? And I remember thinking like when I had had a baby, I went through months where I didn't make anything. And it was really, it it was hard. It, it didn't feel good because I've always been making something all the time. And so I was thinking, you know, what if some of those barriers could be lifted? For me, the barrier was like thinking of a project, <laughs> finding a project, choosing the project, getting the stuff for the project. It was just all too much, right? You know, I was working full time. I had a baby, all of that. It was just too much. And I thought, how nice would it be if I could just like have a box delivered to my doorstep of like, here's the project, make this project. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to plan. All you have to do is sit down, open the box and start making stuff. So that's kind of where the idea for that came from. And I also, for me specifically, like I obviously have a very modern style. If I'm going to make something, I don't want it to just sit, sit in a closet somewhere. I want to be able to use it. And so for me, the one of the biggest um, kind of differentiators for this was that I want all the projects in this box to kind of fit um, a modern audience and to be able to be like something you would toss on your couch as a pillow or make as a tote bag or add as a, you know, jacket patch on the back or, or have as a wall hanging in your studio. Um, you know, something that, that really has that kind of modern style. Now, did you always, um, partner with different designers for the subscription box or was that something that came later on? That's a, yeah, that's a great question. At the beginning, I did most of the designing and I had a few guest designers the first year. Um, and I liked doing that because I mean, I really like designing. It's my favorite part, but it's also, you know, it's 12 projects. That's a lot to design. Um, and I also found that I really enjoyed the diversity that comes with different guest designers. And I really liked being able to feature and highlight different designers that I thought were really cool um, every month. So that's, I started off with a few. In fact, I think Fran from Cotton and Joy might have been my first guest designer, which is really fun because she's a good friend. And then um, and then I had a lot of my own that first year. And now it's I think I only have one of my own designs this year, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I only designed one of the projects this year because I had so many awesome guest designers lined up. That's um, funny. I didn't even realize that until now. <laughs> And usually like when you're selecting a guest designer, like what's that process like? Like how do you source these designers and do designers approach you? So a lot of times I reach out to designers um, who I've been following, whose work I think would translate well to a modern makes project. But I do have people reach out to me too. And that's always fun to hear that people want to be involved in the membership. Um, I, a lot of my designers lately have actually been Pattern Writing Academy alumni um, who, because I run a, a contest at, at the end of the class every year, <laughs> this is actually kind of, kind of silly. I run a contest and the first year I was like, I'm going to pick one person, like submit, submit a design proposal and I'll pick a winner and you'll be featured as a guest designer. Um, obviously like they're, you know, guest designers are all paid. I want to, <laughs> that seems like it should be obvious, but I'm just going to say it. I'm not like, you know, so I did that. And then I got all of these entries and I couldn't pick one. 
<laughs> they were all so good. So I don't even remember how many I wound up picking the first year, but it was a lot. Um, and I was like, well, I guess, I guess half my year is going to be students. Um, just cause they all submitted such amazing things. So I, I actually do wind up now every year. I, I try to keep it a little bit down to like three, but I, I, I pick some projects from students every year. And then it's also just people that I find in the community that I think are really cool. Someone asked me if they have to have like a big audience to be a guest designer. And no, that's, that's not really important. What matters is having, you know, good pattern writing skills and a, and a good, a good design. It's so nice that you've given, you know, your students the opportunity to, you know, be part of this process. It's so, it must be so rewarding for them, but also for you to see that, you know, all that content that you've provided to them, this, those, those tools, and then they've turned it into something really amazing. It's, it's really nice to give them that platform as well. It is really rewarding to see what people come up with. It's crazy. I mean, then that's all them. I have no credit for that, but it's nice to, to see it take form into a pattern that someone else can make too. Um, so you recently self-published your very first book, One Heirloom Quilting. Could you tell us a little bit more about the book and what could readers expect? Uh, yeah. So the book is, it's a pattern book. First of all, it's, it's a book of projects. Um, it, there are 12 patterns in it and they range in skill set, but they're all pretty solidly in the like confident beginner range. There are definitely some that a beginner could pick up and make for their first quilt. Um, but most of them should be like pretty attainable for a quilter who's made a, made a couple quilts, but I really wanted, I wanted to make a book that could both appeal to people who are on the newer side, but would also still have patterns that were interesting to more advanced quilters. So I was really trying to kind of find this balance between a lot of different factors, actually. I feel like, you know, there are so many books out there that talk about like fast quilts or like quick quilts or whatever. And I don't really find most of the patterns to be that inspiring. They're not really my deal for the most part. And so I was trying to find a set of designs that both looked harder than they were had an opportunity to kind of refine technique, but still be approachable for newer quilters. And we're also pretty quick, but without, again, looking like it or without being boring, you know, so I was, I was really going for kind of a set of patterns that, that met those criteria, uh, which was harder than, <laughs> harder than it sounds. <laughs> um, but I, I think, I think we achieved it. So, um, you know, I think it, Basically, regardless of your skill level, you'll find something in this book that will work really well for you. Um, and it's it's a really good set of patterns that, like I said, look a little bit more challenging than they are once you've finished. And with those set of uh, 12 quilt patterns that you've developed, were they patterns that you had developed over time or were they a set of patterns that you specifically designed for the book only? That's a really good question. They were all designed for the book. Um, oh, that's not completely true. A couple of them were designed beforehand. And in fact, there is a modern makes project that made its way into the book um, just because it was kind of it just fit so perfectly. It felt like it really fit the vibe and the aesthetic. And it was um, just really so I, I tossed that one in there, too. Um, but most of the patterns, especially the full quilt patterns, were designed specifically for the book. And it's kind of funny that I think sounds a little bit when I've talked to people about it, they think like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a lot to do all at once, but it fits my normal working style really well anyways, because I tend to kind of work in spurts. Um, I found I cannot force creativity. I think most people are probably like that, but if I like sit down and I'm like, okay, I need to design a pattern for, you know, 
this day or this month or whatever, and I'm not really feeling it, it's, it's not going to happen and I'm not going to design anything good. But when I am kind of in that zone, like I'll, I'll get an idea sometimes at 3 a.m., unfortunately. And then when that happens, I usually wind up designing like six different patterns all at the same time, because when that, you know, when the juice is flowing, it just kind of it just kind of goes and, and I wind up designing a whole bunch at once. So that's that's basically what happened with the book. I'd say the design period was probably the easiest and fastest period of the entire production of the book was was putting those designs together, because once I started kind of thinking through it, they really came pretty quick. Looking back over the process of writing and compiling all these patterns, what's one thing that, you know, surprised you that you didn't expect? I think how long the process takes after you've finished the manuscript and after you've finished the photography and done what feels like should be the, you know, quote, hard work, there's still so much more to do. And it takes a really long time. And anytime you find something you don't like and you want to make a change, that takes a really long time. Um, so I think that was probably and, and I, I knew, you know, on some level, I conceptually knew that like I, I was aware that everything would take longer than I thought. But I don't think I realized exactly how fast that published date would sneak up on me because I had this manuscript done in January, February, something like that, March, maybe. I don't know. Very early in the year everything was done. And so that period of time from going from all the content being done to actually book in hand is um, long and stressful. So what influenced your decision to self-publish? So that's a great question. Um, the main factors in that decision were being a control freak and having a very specific vision. <laughs> so I very much knew that I wanted this specific set of patterns and this specific set of colors. And I wanted a hardback with a specific feel. I just had like this very um, narrow, can I say specific again, vision for what I wanted this book to be. And the more I talked to people who had published either self-published or not, and the more I um, just learned from other people in the industry who had been through various configurations of publishing, the more I realized that self-publishing would probably be the best fit for this specific one, at least. Um, I was definitely very nervous about it at first because there's a ton to learn, but really talking to other designers who had self-published sealed it for me and made me think like, okay, I can do this. And there have been pitfalls. There have been a lot of things I've learned along the way, but overall it was the right, I think it was the right decision for me for this one because it let me really make the book I really wanted to make, if that makes sense. Yeah. And if you're putting in that much effort, like to have to give up certain parts mm -hmm. of the process, yeah. you know, give up control over certain parts of the process yeah. that you feel really strongly about, it makes total sense. And I mean, there are downfalls, you know, like I, it means I funded the whole thing myself too. I didn't even know if I'd break even, you know, I mean, it's expensive. Um, and I also didn't get, you get a ton of benefits working with a publisher, obviously, which I don't get, but, but for me that it was the right call for this one. Yeah. And that's actually when I was kind of tossing this idea around with my husband, my poor husband, by the way, who, you know, listens to all the, all the things all the time and encourages me somehow, even though he knows that everything I decide I'm going to do is going to make his life harder and probably worse. Um, you know, he, he, <laughs> he listened to me talk through all this and he's like, okay, okay. But ignoring like all of these other peripheral factors you're talking about, like, what do you actually want out of this? What's the goal? Is it to have another income stream or is it 
to create something that you're really happy with and to, you know, be able to reach more people and, and gain that legitimacy you're talking about of, you know, like the tick next to like, I wrote a book and, and for me, that was, that was a lot of it. Like I want to create something that I'm really proud of that I think people really like, and I want to round kind of round out who I am as a business owner and a designer and, and have gone in that direction and say, I am an author. I've published a book. Um, yeah, because you're right. It's, it's so hard. You know, when you, when you publish with a publisher, you know about how much you get per copy, but you don't know how many copies will sell. And when you publish it on your own, you get a lot more per copy, but you don't get the distribution the publisher has. So you rely more on your own networking and your own marketing and all of that. So you just really don't know how much money you're going to make out of it. And you can, just, you know, I was hoping I'd break even, like I said, that my goal was like, please let me not lose money on this. Um, but it sounds like from all we've talked about, about the different, um, you know, profit sources that you do have within the business, that this was a responsible decision and a risk that you could take. Yes. I, you know, yeah. it wasn't, you weren't putting all your eggs yeah, in this definitely. one basket. And that's something I've always tried to do with my business is, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't shy away from talking about money. I had to re to, to quit my day job. I had to replace my salary as an engineer. Right. I, I couldn't just like my family depends on my income. It's not for fun. Um, like most people's jobs aren't for fun. <laughs> um, so I definitely try to, to choose what I do and what I spend my time on carefully to make sure that I am not, you know, diverting my attention from, from stable income. Um, so it does make something like choosing to go down this path a little risky because it's a lot of time, but I, it felt like it would pay off, um, even if not monetarily in other ways for me. And yeah. And I, and I think it was a good risk to take definitely. Yeah. So where can our listeners get a copy of your book? Um, you can get it on my website at alderwood-studio.com. It's there in my shop and it's also on Amazon. There's a paperback version on Amazon. Um, I published because I self-published, I publish it through Amazon and through Ingram, which is a wholesale distributor basically. And so it's available in their catalog to bookstores, libraries, places like that. Um, so it, it's, I don't know who all will pick it up, but it is in theory available to retailers as well. <laughs> I'm telling you all of the ins and outs of self-publishing. You just don't know some of these things. Um, but it also is available. I also sell it wholesale to quilt shops and things like that. So, you know, if you want your quilt shop to carry it, let them know. Now with all this going on, do you have any, um, new projects planned for 2023 that you can share with our listeners? Um, well, I have, you know, I have a new set of patterns coming out that I'm actually super excited about. Um, I feel like every year is a little bit different and the patterns I have lined up for 2023 are all ones that I'm really, really excited about. Like, I kind of feel like I really hit my stride with some of them. <laughs> um, so so that's pretty exciting. I do have plans for a second book that may, I don't, I don't think I'm going to try to get it out in 2023. That sounds like a lot, but probably the following year, maybe early, who knows, maybe I'll, maybe I'll pull through. We'll see. Um, but, Ooh, I think that's all I can share <laughs> right now. That's, that's a solid amount. Regardless. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, the, the, the modern makes membership, it takes up a lot of my, a lot of my time for sure. So there's always a lot of that going on. Okay. So it's time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are you ready, Amber? I am ready. Okay. Wendy, take us away. So what is your favorite time of day to quilt? 
middle of the day out of defiance because I always had to do it after bedtime for years. <laughs> and where do you sew? I have a studio in the bonus room. And do you wear shoes while sewing? No. Music, Netflix, podcasts, or the sounds of silence? Netflix and audiobooks. And do you have a current favorite that you're watching or listening? I just finished binge watching Only Murders in the Building. Favorite snack while quilting? I'm too messy. <laughs> okay, so do you have a favorite color? Green. And what's your favorite brand of solids? Kona or Moda. And uh, favorite color from Kona or Moda? Kona Spruce. Solids or print fabrics? Solids. Do you have a favorite fabric designer? Can I say Fableism Wovens? They're designed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what is the last fabric you bought? Wait for it. A shipment of Fableism Wovens. <laughs> uh, favorite quote shop? Um, Great Hair and Thread Co. and Cottoneer. How do you organize your fabrics? Poorly, uh, mostly by color on bolts. And what's your most favorite uh, subscription products project? Uh, Malia and Adjourn are the two favorites. What sewing notion couldn't you live without? A seam ripper. <laughs> Pressing preference. Uh, depends on the pattern. Uh, pick one. Packing subscription boxes, designing, or writing a new pattern? Designing. And do you have a go-to long-arm quilter? Trace Creek quilting for all-over quilting, but if I ha want something custom, I always go with Kristen Van Campen. Uh, machine or hand bind? Machine all the way. Spray, pin, or thread-based? Spray. Not sorry. Pre-wash? Never. Always, sometimes, never. Never. And what's your favorite part of the quilting process? The design phase. <laughs> and what is your least favorite part? Squaring up and quilting. And uh, what's one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? Making a mess while doing it. And who's your quilty BFF? Justine from Great Hair and Thread Co. And what's your favorite recent make? Uh, a sample for a pattern coming out next year called Persephone. And how many quilts are in your whip pile right now? Zero. <gasps> really? I do. I, yeah. Because I work. Yeah. I go through batches. Right now I'm zero. That's so good. Tomorrow I'm about be to 10. start a new one. <laughs> Add that to your pile. Um, so do you have any other interests or hobbies? Too many. Uh, gardening, drawing, painting. I have a greenhouse. It's keeping me busy. <laughs> what are you growing in the greenhouse? Well, we just finished building it. Um, so there are, isn't a whole lot in there yet, but I just moved a bunch of herbs in and I'm extending my pepper harvest and I have ginger growing in there and it's going to get a whole bunch of stuff for the next couple of weeks. So before we wrap today up, we've got just a couple more questions for you. Who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? Um, Sharon says so for fact based and like bite sized information about current events, um, and politics and stuff that fights misinformation, which, which I love. 
um, exhausted octopus because I think she's one of the most authentic people in the Instagram space and she creates amazing things and also like talks about important things, which I love. And then Bisa Butler, who everyone is following anyways, but you know, so she's amazing. So on that note, we need to wrap today up and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio, Wendy. I'm at the.weekendquilter. And Amber. And I'm at Alderwood Studio. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz, our website, quiltbuzzpodcast.com, for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Yay. Am I allowed to say bye? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was your cue. <laughs> yeah, we, we sneak that in.